You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Mitch here from Geek Elite Media, and I want to talk to you about Cuts by Candace, an experienced hairstylist that is willing to work with you to get the right look for you. When it comes to important events in my life and I need to look good, I trust my hair with Candace. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of May 2019, and you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candace on Facebook and Cuts by Candace 3 on Instagram, and start looking the best you, you can. Today here on Hey Mitch, I have Charles Chavez from Sonora Woodworks with me, and we're going to talk about some woodworking. Yeah, yeah, glad to be here. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you for being here. Um, why wood? Of all the mediums, why wood? It gives me something to do with my hands. I, I was raised kind of in a variety of the arts. By My mom was a painter and a seamstress, so I got to do all of that. But the one thing I wasn't good at was um, sculpting. Okay. But I like to do things with my hands and to make things and to see something functional, functionable, but useful. And um, when I was living in Branson, Missouri, where I was working as a musician, I uh, set up a little shop in my garage and liked to make things for the house. And it, it just became a passion. And I got to read and on the internet, you know, you get YouTube, you get all these resources and forums now on woodworking. And um, and then uh, when I moved here into the Mohawk Valley, we had uh, a lot of trees coming down and I really thought it would be a waste. I mean, mesquite trees and um, some pine trees at the time. And I went and priced what it would cost to get them milled into boards. and found out it was cheaper for me to buy my own sawmill and that's where it started yeah because it was that many logs and uh, so then I got really hooked onto the side of the milling I I, in terms of woodworking my favorite part is the sawmill taking trees and looking inside seeing things no one has ever seen before Mm. and um, there's just a beauty inside of there that's just it's a shame that it goes to the right to, to the uh, junkyard mm-hmm. and just gets burned or firewood or whatever. And uh, yeah, I just I just love the sawmill part and just being able to show people, hey, look at this. You know, you can go to the big box stores or whatever and buy lumber, but there's all this stuff around here that that can be used and is so much more beautiful and and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it just it, it gives a local character to yeah. what you're doing because I, I i like to specialize in the woods that are in the area what kind of woods are that or uh, mes- are they mesquite palo verde um ironwood but it's very difficult to come across in any useful sizes and and plus you can't go harvest it it is a protected right species i mean it's it's really a, a, a neat wood um but very hard then there's a lot of eucalyptus which was imported a couple you know a hundred years ago and, right and that's everywhere and that's very hard but beautiful and uh citrus some pine trees but the desert woods and the woods that grow out here are just beautiful now do you get to when you're when you're creating with the the different types of woods like do you have to keep in mind like what what wood you're using for what you can do with it uh in a sense yes uh, like with ironwood being harder does that make it more difficult to make something well, yeah, definitely. Um, you're not going to get a lot of uh, usefulness, like, say, as a cutting board, because it will dull your knives. I mean, first off, as, oh, wow. as, as an end product, uh-huh. it's just not 
it would look beautiful it would look gorgeous but you start cutting on it and you you have to sharpening your knives immediately (laughs) even um, eucalyptus is very hard but it's very durable and uh, but it's very heavy too so if you want to something that's going to be light and being moved around a lot of course you don't want to use eucalyptus now cottonwood on the other hand is not as hard but it's very light it's easy to move around and and it's easy to work with so it's there is a some choices that you have to make and then also in terms of colors and the aesthetics also because each one has its own properties Mm -hmm. in that sense and what what i mean uh, on your on your instagram there's definitely some cutting boards and stuff like Mm -hmm. that what i mean what are some of the other things that you 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 personally like to make i like to make uh tables and um, more of the furniture side of it. I, okay. I tend to like that. And um, I've got another one that's going to be coming up soon. It's just a prototype of a, a bench, um, just a square bench, but also a seat, mm-hmm. you know, for storing, you know, small blankets or towels or something, but an entryway seat. That'll be coming up soon. It's uh, been built. It now just needs to go through the finish process, and then it'll be put up there. Um, cutting boards, I do is uh, more of a, as a utility mm-hmm. tool. I don't go into the overall, try to do the mix and match to get all these outstanding designs and colors, and people do that, but more power to them, but I don't have the time to no. to, to sit and do that. It's uh, it's amazing what they what they can do with the, the little blocks and just mix and matching pieces to make some amazing designs. Oh, sorry, to make some amazing designs. and. But I just like to make simple utilitarian boards. It, it, you know, when I do make them, right? And um, like I saw the one that you had the the living edge on it. I think is what you said. The live edge, yeah. The live edge. There you go. Yeah, that, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and and those are hard to come across in eucalyptus because they like to crack and warp. So finding clear pieces that without a lot of cracks is difficult too. Mm. It's, uh, so how? I mean, you said you came from Tennessee. Oh, I was in Branson, Missouri Branson, before I came right. here. Yeah. And but. how long have you been doing the, the the woodwork as for having a mill and stuff like that? Four years now. Four years. Yeah, I, I bought the sawmill four years ago. Okay. Yeah, the fir- the first one. I'm on my second. Uh, I upgraded. Okay. Uh, about three years ago. That's God. It's five years now. Yeah. <laughs> five years ago, I had that for two years, and then the past three years, I've had a a new uh, more, more uh, pro style hydraulic sawmill. Now. now uh, when you're when you're working with the wood, how long is the, is the process of it? For I mean, something as as small as a as a cutting board or something to something as big as a, the bench that you're making. Like what what's what's from planning to finished product? Um, a cutting board. Say if I get the wood, all of my wood is has a little more work involved because it's rough. It comes straight from the drying stack, so it's warped. It has uh, cracks. You really got to dig and find it. If you go to the store, that's already been done. Right. So um, you can cut it, process it, mill it. You know, you got to flatten the face and then plane it. And um, I'm actually doing one cutting board from raw eucalyptus, and that's probably going to be four hours. Mm-hmm. If I really sit down and, and take the time and do it, and then there's a lot of waiting and in, in periods in between from the gluing, gluing right. up, I like to let it sit for 24 hours. And then uh, if I've got to do any epoxy filling, that's another 24 hours to 36 hours, depending on the epoxy I use. And then the, the let it soak in the mineral oil. And, but just the actual handwork could be one board, could be about four hours. What's so just sit down machining? What's the the upkeep after uh, making like a, a cutting board? I mean, do you do you have to rub it down? Do you have to keep it certain minerals, like you were saying, to keep it in good working order? Yeah, everybody has their own uh, preference, but a good thing to do is to really wash it with rock salt, just to scrub it, as salt will kill bacteria, mm-hmm. and the wood itself will kill bacteria. That's one of the nice things about wood is mm-hmm. that the the tannins and and uh, once the moisture gets sucked down in there, it dries down, and then the bacteria can't survive. But um, good, wash it off with salt, and then as you see it drying out, then to use some kind of mineral oil, or people have board butter. There's all kinds of different products that everybody uses. 
Um, some just pure mineral oils. Some are mineral oils with beeswax or other types of waxes that help protect the, the surface also. So when you're making furniture, on the other hand, uh, and like you said, you, you like making it for utilitarian reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that the same? Uh, is it is it is it as functional as or as practical as, as possible or do you do you like to throw in some style and, and art into it too no the furniture's art oh okay. on the on the other on the other end of the spectrum it's uh i can do functional furniture mm-hmm. but i like to use the wood to tell the story just to to use the live edge or if it has a certain curve, use that as the highlight of the of the piece. So uh, the f- the furniture is a is a different beast. That that's a longer process because you just I can I can get off a sawmill and just look and get an idea. Yeah, it might be good for this, but that wood might not be ready for two years <laughs> oh, to, wow. to be used because it has to dry down thoroughly. And okay. then I get a sometimes I especially with mesquite, I have to um, put it in a kiln to heat. Um, treat it to kill the boring beetles. Mesquite's really bad with boring beetles in the in the outer parts of the woods, which leaves pinholes and leaves uh, dust piles underneath it. So it has to be treated. And then, so sometimes, what one idea you have is changes over time. But um, it, it's it's just a thinking process, and uh, plus you see what other people are doing and. Um, you get ideas. Um, I don't think I did a one table out of out of a cottonwood top that was uh, uh, rotted out in the middle, and I carved it and I cut it all out and I inlaid it with a piece of glass. I'm not sure if that's on my. I didn't think I inside. saw. It I don't on think the it was. Either. I don't think I ever put. I'm gonna have to post that and uh, on there. That was one of my first projects. I, I did cottonwood top with uh, the legs were eucalyptus. Actually, it was beautiful. It was actually before the whole river table mm. craze was taking off it was mm-hmm. just at the very beginning this was about five years ago i made that table and it but was was the glass inlay and now i have um it's sitting with kachinas on top which are made from cottonwood <laughs> that, was that was my was, dog that was the dog <laughs> yeah, with um cottonwood root so it was actually a nice little table for that cottonwood table so, nice so yeah. i mean I, I obviously you have if it takes you know a couple of years for the the wood to dry out or something like mm-hmm. that, I mean you have projects in all different phases of, of time yeah. and stuff like that. Oh yeah. How many do you would you say you have going at the moment? Uh, about. I got that chair. Like I said, it has to be finished. I got another top that's um, halfway assembled. I got about four or five right now yeah. <laughs> in, in various phases of, and even some that I'm putting in a kiln to dry faster, just because I want to get to that certain um, piece of wood faster i don't want it to i don't want to lose that thought process that makes (laughs) sense i want to get it ready and so i can start doing things but i really want to get more into the furniture making side of it um i've gotten away with it because i've been real busy on the farming side because that's what my family is farming Mm -hmm. and um but i want to get more time now for the furniture start start exploring the artistic side of it a little bit more and um oh i had something i lost it it's okay <laughs> I hate when that happens when you so you, you did say you, you go and check out uh other what other people are doing in the community and stuff what, what's the what is that community like uh, instagram is a i mean of course there's a huge community there but i'm also on lumberjocks.com which is a forum of woodworkers um and they have um daily submissions from all the woodworkers and they they do their top submissions of the day just taken by views and how many people favorite it and that was actually my biggest resource for a long time before instagram came out and um it's just a lot of good people i've met we actually had to get together a year ago in february with a lot of people from the website coming from tucson vegas um, Snowflake, Arizona, Phoenix. Wow. It's really great. And we keep in touch. And these are people who range from hobbyists to actual professional woodworkers. There's a guy in Chicago who runs a, a, a large furniture factory, you know, making artistic, but as well as production furniture as well. And 
that to me is probably the greatest resource because you can actually get down into the details and ask the ask the questions. Instagram's more of a visual right visual type where you, you can talk to people, but it's very limited right in, in the depth that you can get. And uh, what what I was gonna ask earlier mm-hmm. was that uh, is it. Is it a mixture? Is it one way, one way or the other? Uh, when you, because you said you saw a piece of wood, and you thought you can, you know, you could do with that. But do you also go into it saying this is what I want to make, and then finding the wood for that? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. There's um, there's times I need to find something. I need a certain desk, or I need to make a stand for something. And uh, like a my guitar amps, you know, I need a, I made a stand or a or a. a, a pedal board for my effects I'll use that and then I'll have wood laying around or sometimes I will go buy it I, I sometimes <laughs> you know there's something specific I'm looking for and it's just easier to go buy it than using what I have because right. what I have in mind mm-hmm. so I, I do utilitarian and also have things in mind for certain stands but I'm trying now on that end what I'm trying to do is have a purpose but still leave that artistic flair into it like right. i'm going to make another amp guitar amp stand and pedal board and actually um a speaker cabinet for some guitar amps um the head and i'm gonna but i'm gonna use more of the live edge and more of the the character and the grain of the local woods into it to add that little bit of um my little touch, signature touch. There you to go. It, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I mean, when you're using the local wood, what? What makes it stand out? Out, out you know, from uh, from a wood from the Pacific Northwest. The. The grain here is uh, just has a lot more character and um, a lot of swirls. A lot. It's just because it grows up in such a harsh environment. Mm-hmm. You look at the trees. There's you don't have straight trees here. You go to the northwest. The trees grow up straight That's vertically, mm-hmm. and um, so you got long grain and and it's perfect. It's beautiful to work with. But you've seen some of the photos on my Instagram. You put it, it just swirls. It's just like there's just no straight grain. It's just so much character into it, and that's just something that's really unique to this area from a lot of what I've seen. Um, I mean, you'll find oak and pieces that are like that, but, you know, it's it's rare. That's the rarity here. That's the norm, <laughs> it is, the, is the beauty of the wood. It's just, it's something completely different than what people, most woodworkers are used to. And since uh, since you started working with wood and and doing all this, what what's the one biggest surprise that you've you've come across? The biggest surprise. I think um, something that I would really say that I is just the wood is such a living thing, even in its lumber form. Um, you really have to still. When you're building, you have to account for lo- uh, wood movement. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really trying to teach people, which I'm, I'm from Instagram, who come and talk to me, and I'm glad the people who have come out there they message me, ask me things. So many people think building something is just cutting it out and gluing it and screwing it together, and it's good to go. <laughs> That's a recipe for disaster. And <laughs> I've seen so many disaster, like, and, and it's funny. Um, on Lumberjocks, we get so many people joining there. I just made something, and it's cracked down the middle, or it's split, <laughs> and, and I know immediately, because that designs something was seen on Instagram, or, or Pinterest, or, 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 or Pinterest, or something, and because it's, wood's alive. I mean, even, I mean, in a sense, humidity, it swells, it still contracts, it has to be given, built, with provisions for movement. And, um, you know, here we're more stable, but there's other places, environments, it can be pretty brutal and wood can, wood tops can explode if they're not <laughs> given room to, to move. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could imagine, uh, you know, as much as it, it can be uh, step A, step, step B, step C, like, it, you know, the, the every piece of wood is different kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, the way it's going to react to whatever it is that you're doing to it. Yeah, every species. Every species, Every is, species is, is, is um, eucalyptus. I, I, the first year of um, 
wood that I milled, a lot of it is just uh, almost worthless for large projects. It's got to be cut down and just used for real narrow stuff because it just eucalyptus moves like crazy when it's drying. And now I've got um, 275 totes filled with water on top of my stacks just to help keep things in check. But it still doesn't do the job. Wood's going to do what it's what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that was the biggest thing because I didn't really believe it would move that much. Just early on when I was first getting into woodwork, you know, I was saying, oh, the glue's going to hold it. And the screw, <laughs> the screw will do it. And then, doesn't work that way. Doesn't quite work that way, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, is there been one piece of or one species of wood that's been the easiest for you to use? Easiest um, probably would be uh, cottonwood. Okay. <laughs> and it's funny. There's a lot of people. If you mention it to a lot of traditional woodworkers, they'll say cottonwood's a junk wood. It, it's really thought of in a bad way. But um, cottonwood used to be be um, used in the interiors of a lot of barns as real two by fours, two by sixes. It's really good as long as it doesn't get wet. It has to be well protected. But it, it's 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 a beautiful beautiful wood. But it machines very well. It's like a, it's actually a cousin of poplar. It's mm-hmm. in the populous wood group. I think populous is the correct name. But um, it's a cousin of poplar, which is very easy to machine. It's a very, uh, but it, but it's it's different. It has its own character. But I, it, but the only bad problem about it smells really bad. Oh. It has this really bad smell when you machine it. Not as bad as Palo Verde. Okay. And, and I'm sure a lot of people do know about Palo Verde in the, <laughs> in the deserts who are cutting stuff for firewood and everything. That stuff is is the worst. But um, cottonwood's the easiest to work with in terms of machines. It doesn't dull the blades. It doesn't cause a lot of problems. No, I mean, if it if it has a smell when you're when you're milling it, I mean, is there does does, does that linger on after it's been made into a, a piece of furniture? Or if if of it art? wasn't sealed, yeah. So you seal <laughs> it, it up, could, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, uh, and it's, when the worst part is actually when you're milling it and stacking it because you're stacking it, <laughs> and, and the smells on your hands all night. It, it just doesn't go away, and it's on your nose because of sawdust and. It takes two days to get rid of it. <laughs> if you ever come by, I'll, I'll cut a piece of wood for you. Oh, no, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> now, is that, is that like a, a dip your hands in a tomato sauce kind of thing? You know, or? I never tried that. That's a good idea. <laughs> it, might, it might work. And it, and it is funny. In the um, A friend of mine in Tucson is a wood, wood turner. We were just talking about it. How some it was a lumberjack thing. Sorry if I keep going back there, no, but a lot, no, no, I've got a lot of friends. Um, like one I just saw yesterday in Phoenix from from that website. It's just it was a it's a great resource with great people. And he he comes by all the time from Tucson. This is a wood turner. And he does beautiful work. He loves he does a lot with Palo Verde, and he does some cottonwood. He actually got some blanks from me to make some bowls, and um, he said it didn't smell to him. And while other people. The same people will get the same wood for me and just said, oh, man, that stuff stunk. <laughs> Maybe he does so much Palo Verde, it just it doesn't. Is, he's, uh, he's, he's gone blind to it. Exactly. <laughs> Nose blind. To it. Nose blind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> uh, did, um, so what, what would be the, your favorite species of wood to work with? It changes by eucalyptus. Yeah. The, and, and that's just a generic term because there's, it's one of the largest families of trees okay. in the world. And there's, even as you go around here in, in the valley, there's, I think, about five to ten different species just here that grow in Arizona. Yeah, I think I have one in my backyard. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, <laughs> you probably do. And there's a couple different variations. Some are um, a, a light cream color wood versus a, a dark red. That um, turns when you mill it, it's pink, mm. but it dries down to a, a, a dark red, and then when it's finished, it's like a deep, deep mahogany. That's probably my favorite. Um, a lot of people don't use it. Um, my parents went to uh, San Diego to a craft show and saw um, a guy who was selling cutting boards and everything, and she says, "Oh yeah, my son, he works with eucalyptus." I says, oh, "I won't work with that." I says, "It." kills the tools you know it dulls the blades is mm-hmm. you know when you got finite resources and 
It's uh, it gets expensive, but most of my um, tools are now all set up with carbide tips, and even my even my my sawmill, I I have to pay for the carbide bandsaw blades, which are very expensive, but. That's the only way I can cut most of these woods here because growing up in the desert, everything's embedded with sand. Right. You know, think they're growing up with sandstorms mm-hmm. constantly. They have so to, it just gets stuck inside. <laughs> I was going to say, they have to survive the elements of, <laughs> yeah. alone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But eucalyptus is the my favorite i think in general it's just beautiful so it's the it's the look of it it's the the colors and, and stuff like that i mean it's not so much what you can make with it but what it what the finished product will look like yeah yeah pretty much i got a couple um um table a table more of a coffee table i'm making with um eucalyptus right now with a top that's a, a live edge top and um Actually, two tables, and one's like a waterfall table, I guess, because I have a really long piece of it. And it's just something about it. It's just beautiful. Mm. Once you mill it, especially after you mill it and get playing it down and put the the lacquer on it, and that's when it really shines. So you were saying that uh, your mother was a seamstress and a, yeah. and a sculptor? A painter. Uh, painter. Painter. Painter, yeah. Um, was there... Was there something that you started doing that that eventually ultimately led led you, led you to working with wood? It was were there classes? Were there uh, instructional videos? Was there a guy you know at the county fair just using the chainsaw and piece of wood? No, you know, I just I think it um, it came apart because I just needed to make a couple things, and okay. I just always liked to to use my hands. To my, I made model airplanes growing up, so I just always liked to make things. Um, I remember buying um, a miter saw one time because I wanted to make some hoods for aquariums and aquarium <laughs> stands. And so I made those myself and just cut with the miter saw. And that was all I had. And I just glue and pin them together with uh, with nails and screws. And, yeah, you know, it's just woodworking. I don't know where it came from. It's just one of those things that I was pretty much the only one in my family who's done. And I, I just... I, I see things and I go, you know, that looks kind of neat. Maybe I'll try it. And, or, or I'll just read about it and look on YouTube. But way back then when I first made a few things, there was nothing on YouTube. It was real early on. This was before it exploded into what it was. But by the time I was in Branson and making my uh, shop, then then there was a lot to, to start learning. But yeah, no, I don't know what what inspired it, really. It just kind of started. So when you first started, uh, where did you go about to learn? Was it just all hands-on experience, or did you check out some books, go on the un- online? Or it was hands-on experience and um, looking at plans and books, going to the bookstore and just looking at little things for ideas. But most of it, uh, my, the way I go about things is, if you want to make a 90 degree curve well you got to cut a 45 and a 45 or a 90 and a zero i mean it's, <laughs> it's it was just i just try to make the simplest way to do something and and i kind of took that approach to kind of a lot of things that i do i do a lot of people get overwhelmed with too many of the intricacies and the ways of doing things and it's just you got to break it down to the to the bare basics right. and, and then go from there okay I mean, it would seems like it'd be the ultimate thing to be common sense to be like this goes like this. <laughs> yeah, except then, then, then when the art comes, that's when right, it gets, exactly. Because then you start to compound the angles and start to get all these other things. But in a basic sense, to build a box is the box <laughs> is a box. But then, do, how do you want to make it? Do you want to dovetail it? Do you uh-huh. want a box join it? Do you want to just <laughs> ingrain it? <laughs> then you can really get into the intricacies of it so being a Mm self-taught person um what what has been the biggest obstacle as opposed to surprise what was the biggest obstacle for you i don't know so much obstacle but one thing that i i regret that i don't have a woodworking experience or apprenticeship is the the ability to use hand tools in a very efficient manner i would love to be able to use a saw and make dovetail joints and some of the more decorative features and that are thought of as the more traditional joinery and the and the beauty in that um and a lot of that takes a lot of practice and and uh 
it helps if you have guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's things like that. It just really helps if you if you're apprenticing under a master right. and get to see and get to see it and do it, or or just to be able to go to Japan and just to sit and watch the way they work is amazing. And that that's a, almost a spiritual aspect of woodworking when you go to Japan and watch them, the way they work. It's uh, it's the spirit of the wood and the and, and then of the master. And it's just uh, it's amazing. But that's kind of the one thing that I I think. I miss out on from not having a, a true a traditional traditional background. Right. So have you have you personally got to make it to Japan to, to watch no. these things? No, I would love to. They they actually have competitions on a on on a hand planing oh. to um, and they get micrometers out to see who can make the thinnest cut with the hand planes wow. it's a it's a it's a very prestigious event <laughs> that they have and they and they have. Uh, basically uh logs or or you know milled wood right there laying there and they get their big uh 12 inch hand planes and they go and they're pulling them along and people's measuring the shavings and it has to be one continuous from a 10 foot wow one continue look it up on youtube and then whatever the 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 thickest piece is is the the thinnest piece is the winner well, I know, but yeah, I mean, the, they they measure probably from the yeah. They're they're part. they're checking as yeah, they go. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, but but the the craftsmanship because they build their own. They're building their hand planes too, right. and the, and uh, some of them even their own uh, irons. You know, they're they're hammering their own irons, or or they're spending extreme amounts of money getting the the perfect iron for the for the hand plane. Hmm. It's uh it's amazing. <laughs> now that now that that is also interesting is because. Uh, I mean, you, you, you know, not every country is probably going to have a version of, of marble working, right? But just about every country is going to have trees and they have their version of woodworking. Like, mm-hmm. what does the woodworking around the world look like? I mean, is it is it differ when you go from country to country? Obviously, in Japan, they, they, they take into the craft in a more spiritual way, but... Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that you've observed from the other countries? I've been in China. I've gotten to see some of the woodworking there. And it's, it's um, very similar. The tools are very similar to Japan, obviously, uh-huh. because they, they same have... Same region. They have same region, and they have shared... History. History, and um, even though it's not a happy history no. in, in terms, but they do share technologies that go back in the ways, and a lot of the hand tools are similar there, and... Um, but what you're not seeing now in a lot of uh, Asian countries, because I've been there, Philippines, um, where else have I seen some woodworking shops? Is like in Thailand and um, Cambodia. They're now getting to more of the Western technologies. Just oh. they got to bang through as much as possible because there's so much growth, or they're selling to the U.S. and other countries. You know, they're just they're factory producing as quick as they can. Right. So you're really not seeing a lot of the traditional woodworking aspects that were a hundred years ago in those countries. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen much of that. In China, I've seen a little bit of the the hand tools and a little bit of the woodworking because they're still doing some of the intricate carvings because um, the people who are making the money and buying the product want the traditional style. Mm-hmm. The Chinese furniture, very high grade, and and that that's brings in a lot of money. But in a lot of the other countries, I'm not seeing that. I've I actually seen a lot of the hand tools, the saws, and you know electric power tools. And right. I've seen a lot of that. But um, in Philippines, I, I I went by a place that had a bunch of slabs laid out, like uh, live edge slabs, and I never could find the guy or go by there at a time when he was working there and i believe most of the wood was acacia wood because it's very um that's like one of the primary woods in the philippines and and um some mahogany too a philippine mahogany i saw some stacking and drawing but i never was able to talk to the guy who did that because i I was curious how he milled it i don't know if he used a chainsaw or you know what they did right but i saw a bunch of slabs laying there and he and he had made some like slab type of benches and things like that but but nothing, or he was never around for it. He was never around because I, w- I would have loved to have talked to him and just what, what, what do you do? What, what are you using? How are you doing this? <laughs> and, so, I mean, not to 
sound out of place, but you know, when most people think about China and Thailand and stuff like that, for wood, you're thinking bamboo. Like, do you <laughs> can you do the same stuff that with bamboo that you do you would do with wood here? I mean, I I know you think about furniture made with bamboo, it's always going to be the round stocks for like the legs and stuff like that, or or decoration, not so much a flat plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is actually cutting board, bamboo cutting boards. Yeah. There, but it's engineered in a certain way. I don't know if they're cut and then veneered together and pressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look it up, you can see you can you can find bamboo wood in that sense, but it's um, it's more of like a, a laminate type. Okay. And, but I've never really looked to see if there if you can get a a one inch thick by six inch wide by eight foot to right. actually do woodworking and in, in, in that sense with some of that. Mm. But um, no, the, the Asia is full of um, mahogany's, redwoods, pines. A lot, of, you know, a lot of the woods that you you think of as traditional woodworking, woodworking material. I mean, we import them, and mm-hmm. for our guitars, you know, India. You know, Gibson had an issue with um, importing um, the rosewood i believe indian rosewood it was and um because it's getting threatened uh, teak from furniture you know that was very popular and being used in boats because it's um, naturally resistant to uh, um, humidity and water because it has oils in it and that, that's how teak wood is from southeast asia and those and those parts around there i'm trying to think exactly like indonesia but hmm yeah now uh has there ever has there been a like a, a species of wood that you've really wanted to work with that you haven't yet, or you most recently got to that's just not indigenous to this area kind of thing? Yeah, there's a few. I'm trying to think offhand that there's. I would love some of the South Americans. There's um, Purple Heart, which I, I have some, but I haven't really worked. It's it's very hard. It's kind of like some of the hard woods that we have here. Very um, hard on the blades. It's purple. A lot of people here use it in cutting boards, but it's hard to get to keep it stay purple but then mm. it kind of tends to turn to brown but mm-hmm. some of the south american woods um i actually had a chance to live in belize for a while and they do everything out of mahogany they, they make decks out of mahogany two by four framings all your buildings are built out of mahogany <laughs> some of the most beautiful wood is just being used like <laughs> which i would love to have here right yeah think of all the things that you can do with it and it's just being used like construction grade <laughs> but there's some and Africa has some really beautiful woods as well too um, African Limba a friend of mine made a base out of it and it's gorgeous and and uh, is and once again is it just is it just the color or is there certain things that you can do with those types of woods that you can't do with woods here the color and then just some of the grains in it sometimes you get um some of it more prevalent with a bird's eye pattern that you're just not going to get in some of the woods here because of the way that it grows exactly and this the, the type of tree it is so there, there's just some things about it that are, they're exotic and but the difficult thing is the price and when i build woods i don't i like to i might be able to use them for an accent then maybe just as a a knob or something that's about probably the only way i'd be able to use something like that not as a full tabletop or or something like that that's the only problem is and it's hard to get them in large slabs every now and then you'll see a slab i saw an african slab it was about four inches thick by four feet wide by maybe five feet wide by 15 to 20 feet long and they wanted twenty four thousand dollars wow yeah <laughs> it's for a raw slab, cash. yeah. And that was for an Afri- a piece of African wood, and I and somebody bought it. I know someone, yeah, you know, would buy it and make a conference table or someone and make a profit off of it. Too. Oh wow, yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a serious conference table right there. Yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. Um, is there a well when you're when you're creating? Mm-hmm. Is 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 are there inspirations? Uh, maybe not just. Uh, a, a, a thing or anything like that, but maybe a previous artist or a previous worker is a do you mm-hmm. do you have those things that you aspire to? Definitely. Um, you know, I should have think, think of the. There's a couple um, woodworkers that have made some styles that I tend to to like and go to, and I'm and now I'm as soon as you ask me, I'm drawing a blank. Of course, but. Um, there, there's there's a couple and um 
that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Some of the tables that are going to be kind of have some of the touches of the, and and I'll, when I actually do and publish it, I will put the name of right, the artist yeah. that inspires it. So I'll come up with it then. <laughs> I'll have time to re, re, research it. But there's a couple, and and even Instagrams isn't a resource and an inspiration. Pinterest. I, I still can't figure out. Pinterest I can't figure it out. Either, I, I, so. <laughs> I, you'll see a picture, but you can't. I don't know how to get into the details and, and to figure out exactly what it is, other than just a picture of it. But um, but uh, Instagram is a good resource because you do see there are people on there who want to push the envelope and to create new things. How about other than than other woodworkers? Is, is do you find inspiration in, in just uh, you know hanging pieces of art or sculptures or music? Do you have music playing when you're oh, always. creating? Oh, always music. I mean, playing. obviously, yeah. you, you've mentioned it a few times. You know, you're a music person. Like, yeah, uh, I love music. Um, you know, I never thought of that of of um, of, an, of how uh, it would inspire me in terms of woodworking. I kind of uh, I just have so many like music. I write music too, so I mean, my music kind of goes into that. If I have an idea for that, um, woodworking, I'm not sure if there's any other inspirations. It's mostly just kind of what comes to mind. And if I say, "Oh, that would, might just make a cool table," it just I'll go from there. Do you do you have a, a certain type of music you're listening to when you're working, or, or is it more just everything that's on your playlist? No, you know, um, I have a. I used to have a CD player. That that's evolved now as technology is going. Echo Dot in my shop, you know. Okay. So uh, good. It, I mean, it, it, yeah. A lot of millennials might not know what a CD player is at this point. I, yeah, no, I, uh, and honestly, it was kind of funny when I was working in my shop. It was always a Steve Miller band, uh, "Living in the Twentieth Century," which is one of isn't one of his popular albums, but, but that was, was one you. I played all the time when I was in there working. I don't know why. I just <laughs> it just happened to be something that was just kept me in a good mood and and. Um, Lately, in um, in my shop, I've been doing the saying Alexa play um, Cat Stevens radio, and then it'll do a playlist of a lot of um, Cat Stevens, Stevens, um, Peter Paul and Mary, uh, any of the f- folk, traditional folk, and pretty laid back music, and it's just kind of relaxing. And when I play guitar, a lot of times it's just finger picking and just laying back and just taking it easy taking it easy <laughs> I, I, get, I get that zenning out kind yeah, of thing yeah so that, that, that's 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 the thing i mostly tell her you know it's funny how, how you anthropo anthro uh what was the word a- anthropomorphize yes yeah anthropomorphize yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I know what but you're you know what i'm say. saying how, how, how like a lot yeah that's what i tell her all the time i tell her to play that playlist <laughs> there you go uh so is there a a dream project for you that's just it's been you've been putting on the back burner for whatever reason or i mean if you don't want to talk about it that's fine too but just like is there no um i mean i i do want to make a large dining table for our house and that'll be i'm probably going to use eucalyptus a friend of mine he already beat me to it that's how i met him he's from lumberjocks but he came over and bought a lot of eucalyptus and um and cottonwood and made a beautiful table dining table in his house and then um the cottonwood made benches instead of chairs benches out of that and that just turned out amazing and he did it with um mostly hand tools because mm-hmm. um he had a limited size in his garage and so um you know he had a, a you know a table saw and everything but he didn't have a planer to do a lot of that and he actually made a couple of hand planes wow. of his own out of the out of the eucalyptus and um, some other things, and but he did a lot of the surfacing by hand, the planing. It's incredible. Yeah, and and I have a friend in Pennsylvania who actually ran a furniture. He made furniture, but all by hand. Huh. Just all hand tools. I mean, that's that's dedication. I mean, that would probably be some kind of, but uh, a dream would be to do something maybe more hand tool wise. But I don't think that's gonna <laughs> ever, Anytime ever soon. happen. No, 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 that would probably be a dream though, something like that. Okay. All right, so so as as we've talked about it a little bit, you you know you're you're into music. You you write yeah. your own songs and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, what what's the guitar collection look like? 
know, it's too much. And I actually got to start. So I got like some 25 guitars in my house. Yep. Like you know, electric, usually electric, acoustic, all yep. different kinds. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what it's you hear. Much. People that are into it are really into it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and keyboards. I, I've got even, now most people you don't hear have keyboard collections. <laughs> I've got about no, I didn't know. No, 15 different one. samplers from the 80s on and on. And um, that, that kind of like to to uh, collect old samplers of the Akai variety is kind of my favorite. I do have a couple others, but like the Emulator 2, which is uh, well-known, not by name, but because of Ferris Bueller. Uh Uh-huh. It's the keyboard that he used to play all his bodily function sounds when he was calling it sick. (laughs) (laughs) So I have one of those, and and actually it was even used by the Grateful Dead, that actual keyboard. That actual keyboard. Yeah, that actual keyboard. I got it from a session musician who played all the gigs uh, on the West Coast out of L.A. And and they they use actual floppy disks, but the the five and a quarter, you know, when it was floppy. Yep. When it was actually floppy. When it was actually floppy, yeah. And even probably kids don't know what a floppy disk no, is no, anyway. They don't. <laughs> but, uh, not even the small, the, small, the three and a half yeah. that were, weren't floppy. But I, I go through, there's Mickey's drums for Mickey Hart. And, um, wow. and he was telling me in there somewhere is Jerry Garcia snoring where they recorded it and sampled it for for a song and, and, I, and I've been trying to find it because he says he, he was almost positive it's in there. It's I would just there. love to have that, find That's it and hilarious. just listen. <laughs> <laughs> so so then would you say that's your next biggest geekdom after after uh uh woodworking oh, yeah. would be music music how and, long and have you been creating music um well since i was really young that was actually probably my first okay was music uh my mom tried to get me to learn the violin at three that didn't work out very good but Ooh, i don't know lessons, but the dexterity for a violin at three that's, yeah that's but that, that, that never went anywhere it just it was and i was too young and just didn't have the dedication to practice then at sixth or seventh grade i took piano lessons for a few years and then that kind of laid off until college and then friend had a guitar i went over we were watching the exorcist series of movies and he had a guitar so we're just sitting there watching him and he showed me the e chord and i just went from there and then started just experimenting around trying to find things that would work with it wow i just asked for a guitar for christmas and it took off and um but that piano background actually helped me yeah then to teach myself the to to figure the scales and where everything goes from there on a guitar and then then I then I decided I wanted to learn the violin again, and that was actually one of the easiest ones to learn. Once really? I had, yeah, yeah, it's um, especially then after the guitar because yeah. then wow, the scale is really easy on this, and then figuring how even how to do some chords and things like that, and that's where I had fun was on the violin as well. So what 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 if you could put your music into a genre? What would you call it? It would be actually probably most of what I play is a fingertip, finger picking variety, like along the genre of Cat Stevens or Yusuf Islam, I guess is yeah. what he's called now. Yeah. And actually, what it says, the Alexa will say the Yusuf slash Cat Stevens playlist. PlayStation playlist, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how it calls it. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot, lot very similar to that. Yeah. You know, I don't, and I know we had this conversation about uh, streaming videos and Netflix and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But uh, I just recently watched a documentary on Netflix. It was called Hired Gun, which was a session. Uh, It's all about session uh, musicians who Mm -hmm. come in. You know, just when certain people from a band can't be there for whatever reason, they come in and and do that stuff. So hearing about that, uh, your the keyboard that you were talking about, that's that's. That's pretty interesting. If you haven't checked it out, you. I, I need you to see that. Man. I actually heard about it just recently, and I, I need to see that because um, I love that. I've got to, I've had a chance to meet a lot of musicians yeah. all over the country. Some of the the best musicians in the world that nobody's ever going to hear about, as well as some of the famous musicians I've had a chance to meet. And um, it's there's so much talent out there. It's almost it's just mind boggling. You know, there's and and the session musicians. What most people don't know is you listen to an album, a lot of times those, especially in the oldies and up to the 70s and the 80s, those weren't the musicians in the band who were playing a lot of that stuff. No, yeah. No, the, the, they had the session musicians, they did it. A band as we know it 
is basically the touring band. Yep. <laughs> but the album was session musicians who recorded. And they get all into of that, that, in that in that documentary. It was pretty. Oh, they, yeah. they did go into. Yeah, all I of was that, yeah. amazed by yeah, that. That's something I knew. Yeah. Yeah. It blows so you away. It blew me away. It really did. Like the guy is talking about, like that's me. That's not yeah. whoever you know. It's yeah. on, on that album. Um, I mean, it sounds like you have you have a lot of interesting stories. Been all around the around the world. What found you in the desert southwest area? I was born in Yuma. Really? Actually. Yeah, I was born here, and, but I only lived here until about two years out in the North Yellow Valley, and I grew up in Blythe, which is just up the mm-hmm. river a ways, and then, um, but. Uh, family his own property off and on all through the area so i came back 10 years ago in the mohawk valley about an hour east of here and uh, helping out on the farm and mm-hmm. that's what brought me back <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been all over so i mean uh what where, where else is, does your geekdom go we talked we talked about uh marvel movies and superhero stuff and what what is it that when you're not you know either playing music or working on wood what, what do you find yourself doing you know, I, things that I like to do that I don't do as much as I used to are video games, computer. I used to love computers, building computers, making networks. Uh, that's from way back in the early days of networking when, <laughs> when, when building computers were very difficult where you had to set jumpers and... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, were you, did you do that I too mean, at the time? I, I, <laughs> I didn't. My brother did. I, yeah. I watched him do it a lot, and I, I know I know what you're talking about. I have plenty of friends that do that, and <laughs> you know, have done such stuff like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that would probably be the next one: be computers, and then um, the networking side of it, and then some of the games that go along with it. And um, some of your favorite games, then? Oh, go back to the way back when would have been like I love like the Civilization type series games. Okay, um, some of the RPGs like. Um, Oh, when I'm when I'm trying to think of some of the early RPGs that I liked, um, I like some of the the strategy, like World of War, uh, Warcraft Two. Okay, like those kind of the early early game, right, Quake, right. Quake One, Quake Two. That that was fun. I actually liked it when it was more personal, when it wasn't online, mm-hmm. where if you want to play someone. You were in a local network. You were in the same room with them. <laughs> that's right. You were trash talking and you were having fun. <laughs> uh, to me, that's when it that's when it was fun. I didn't really like when it got into the into the um, real online right. type, but um, I was on it before there was the professional leagues. I might have actually had a chance back then because I was pretty good. But um, I did like some of the MMORPGs, like the early um, Star Wars Galaxies, which isn't running anymore. No, but I remember that Ever, one. Well, I, there's actually emulators where I'm, really? I'm on it where um, I do play occasionally. It's been a while, but I still follow it where a, a group have um, revived it and constantly coding and bringing it back to life uh, everquest 2 I, I still log in occasionally with those those are probably the only type of online games i like because wherever i've lived has always been bad internet connections <laughs> so if i actually have to head-to-head compete against people I'm, i always lose yeah you're gonna lag so, and, and exactly it's not gonna so be if worth i'm it. online it's more adventure and things like that but the old games I, it's they were fun the old flight simulators uh mm-hmm. star wars games lucas arts had a the Star Wars games from the 90s to the early 2000s were great. Yeah. I, I miss those days. I love Star Wars. I mean, I'm a big Star Wars geek. Okay. Gone so to the conventions and... Oh, you, you've I gone to been, Celebration? I've been to three Celebrations. Not this last one, but um, I've been to Chicago. three of them. Um, yeah. I've never been to Star Wars Celebration. That's one of the ones that I haven't gone to. Uh, I've gone to San Diego Comic-Con several times and Phoenix I Fan Fusion, one. but... What's 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 Star Wars uh, celebration like? Oh, it was it was it was crazy. The first one I went to was um, it was right before Revenge of the Sith came out. Oh, so wow. it, it was real early. This was like one of the first celebrations. Mm-hmm. It was like number two or three, and it was in Indianapolis actually, where Gen Con is. Mm-hmm. I've been to Gen Con up there too, but I went with a bunch of friends that we all met on. Um, Star Wars Galaxies because that game was still ongoing. Yeah. Hey, let's get a group. Let's go up there. (laughs) And it was just so neat. It was was funny. Just all the people dressed up because I don't dress up. I'd love to, but I just never... Just not the thing for you. I, I never think about it long enough ahead of time to really plan it out because <laughs> it takes a lot of work. It does. But um, it, it was just neat just seeing everybody and all the actors and the and the autograph line and all the people. I and mean, even the guy, Darth Vader choked, was sitting there. Uh, <laughs> the, the two girls in the bar at the cantina 
and Moss Eisley, who just got a quick shot of the two sisters with the black, and they were sitting there. Yeah, they, were sitting. Yeah. <laughs> they, they bring everybody to sign autographs. It was great. You just get to, you even get they're, they're so just fun to talk to, and just they have a great time. And then I went to the one in Anaheim five years ago, I okay. think something like that. And that was that was really great. That that the that was probably the best one I've been to because it is. Because you get the Hollywood and the whole Hollywood crowd there. Right, and then that's probably just at the very beginning of when we were going to start off this new trilogy and the, the new, yeah. new movies and stuff like that. It was really early on in that. And so, um, yeah, because all the actors who were there in the autograph, and I actually that one, I made it a point to go get everybody's autograph. Nice. That, uh, that was there. From the original movies. Mm-hmm. And then the only one they had that was new was like the new Clone Wars or the... It was just when the one of the new series was just starting to come okay. out too. And Rebels so, or Clone Rebels, Wars yeah, or Rebels. That's when some of the actors were there. But I just wanted to hit all the traditionals, and and, and I did. I got to all of. Them. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, what, 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 how do you feel about the the new trilogy and and, and stuff like that, and where it's going with uh, Episode Nine, Rise of, the Rise of Skywalker? I'm curious. I wasn't a fan of um, Force Awakens very okay. much. It was just. It was too much like episode four. I yeah. mean, it just felt like it was, uh, they were, I mean, they got the cantina scene, the <laughs> desert, the girl, the, or the person from the desert who's an orphan and the trying Death to star find themselves. And, <laughs> yeah, they made a whole Death Star with the trench run. They even yep. had a little trench they run into there. Run, yep. uh, it, and, it, and it just felt almost like a waste. Yeah. You know, like they had, they had all this backstory that they could have gone through. And, and even with some of the games that I used to play that, that followed along after there was so much story that could have been told that yeah that could have gone a different way and still been star wars and then the the last jedi you know i don't i didn't hate that as much as a lot of people did it seems I guess, like it made a lot of people angry but yeah, at least they kind of did take it in a different way mm-hmm. i'm not happy what they did with luke in the end but <laughs> you know hopefully he'll be back as a force ghost more i'm sure or he will he's gonna have to but <laughs> i actually um Liked Rogue One. I was a big fan of Rogue One. I really liked it because that was telling a story that we paid did. homage to the originals, but still told a story. And the end with Darth Vader. I mean, you actually got to see Darth Vader <laughs> kick ass, kick ass, <laughs> and find out why people were afraid of him. Oh, this because is honestly, true. in the very in all the first three episodes, he was a menacing figure just by being a menacing figure. That's true. You never actually got to see why people were afraid of him. <laughs> and then when you see him in that hallway run, just taking out people left and right, like with no, with ease. It was more than just a, tor- a force choke, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and then how do you feel about The Rise of Skyward? Did you, have you watched that trailer? No, actually I haven't. I don't know why. Um, I remember reading when it came out, but um, I don't know what's getting me for I need to go watch it. I, I want to see it. But. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's like a lot of the new Star Wars trailers. They don't give you any information. It just gets a bunch of clips, and you're like, yeah. it's anticipation and stuff like that. So it's a thing. But, uh, yeah, give, give it a watch. See see how you feel. Yeah, the the end of The Last Jedi, what I really liked, though, was the very end with all the clips of different people starting to get aware of the Force again. The little kid just yeah. reaching out for the broom. Yep. I mean, just something little simple like that. That was kind of cool. So yeah. Where, where you're going to... Hopefully, see a resurgence this, of the a setup from for bigger for more yeah, and yeah. getting back to the Jedi. And I'd love to go way back a thousand years ago to the old Jedi versus Sith. You know where there was the armies and everything. I think that would have been that would that would make for a great movie. I think that's what they're going to be doing with that uh, Benioff and Weiss uh, series saga yeah. trilogy, whatever it's going to be called. So you might get it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> so then uh, uh, to wrap up our our question here on Hey Mitch is. If you could have one useless superpower, what would it be? And it has to be useless. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was still thinking about that. I, I would just be. Um, um, I, I was I was really thinking about that. It been like um, the Midas touch, kind of something like that, where you know, like you can turn something to gold, but 
you can't touch anything to enjoy it, yeah, you know. There you go. <laughs> that was one of those things that I've I've always kind of thought about. Yeah, actually. yeah. yeah it, it's 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 a it's not a great one. It's so, a curse. You yeah, because yeah. that's the other thing is if you can't come up with a useless one, come up with something that's uh you know also has a curse attached to it. So yeah, and you can't and touch and, it. and actually when you said that it was like that that immediately might have touched, but that would be a superpower as well. <laughs> and, and I don't know. It's actually had a had a. Um, storyline along that once I kind of came up with like a, if I was to make an alternate universe kind of thing using old myths and legends like You're right. King Midas was <laughs> kind of like the head of it all I, I, I can see that uh, I it's been an hour. Thank you. Oh. Thank you for coming on here and, uh, and talking to us and, and telling us your story. It's pretty amazing. Oh, thank you for having me and just you know helping get the word out. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I just want people to learn and uh, have yeah. fun. Yeah, you, you sit there, you'll, you'll teach, is from what I understand. You'll, yeah, you'll show anybody them. who has questions, just feel free to ask. Come by and just call me first because a lot of times I'm in and out of the shop, but I'm always around in general. And... Um, Come look, and and I, I'm always willing to help people learn. And uh, the best way for listeners to get a hold of you or to follow you on on social media would be Instagram. Instagram, yeah. That would be Sonora Woodwork. Woodworks at, yeah. on Instagram. On Instagram, no, uh, no uh, uh, website or anything like that. I'm working on it. Okay, it, it, and it's um, and I have an email, Charles Chavez at SonoraWood.Works. SonoraWood.Works. Yeah, actually is. They have a that, uh, attachment as a dot works. That's it worked awesome. out perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and when I, when I was looking to, I did sonorawoodworks.com and then it says, would you like to Sonora. add this? And then wouldn't dot works. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All the words are useful. Uh, exactly. <laughs> if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Michipedia GEM. The rest of, Inst- uh, the rest of, uh, Geek Elite Media is Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekelitemedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Mitch here from Geek Elite Media, and I want to talk to you about Cuts by Candice, an experienced hairstylist that is willing to work with you to get the right look for you. When it comes to important events in my life and I need to look good, I trust my hair with Candice. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of May 2019, and you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts by Candice 3 on Instagram, and start looking the best you you can.